So first of all, you start talking about energies. That is that for me. Uh, these energies are moving within us, and how they activate. Then you talk of the third energy, which is the one which has evolved us. Uh, that's how we are here. And you talk about yourself, the controlling part, uh, which is controlling you. The spirit. So, if you go on an abstract line, it would be very appealing. Then, afterwards, see, once you have talked about energies, this, that, once the people that is within you, you see, sort of they'll feel ego, saying, "Oh, we have this energy; we can utilize this energy to this or that." And then you bring them down to Sahaja later on. But to begin with, let us talk of abstract. Because Indians are different and Western people are different. They are fed up of religion, they are fed up of all these things. So if you talk of religion, it gives creates a problem. That's why in the beginning, you see, Vedas, when they were written down, they didn't talk of God or deities at all. They talked about God, about the Creator, but just about Brahmadeva. Throughout Hiranyagarbha, Brahmadeva, right side they talked. And <coughs> the whole thing is that mantra is like Bhur Bhuvaswaha Triti. Now Bhu is actually the Muladhara. It's the earth according to the Muladhara. Muladhara Chakra and Muladhara itself. Then Bhuva. Bhuva is the one which is called the Antariksha, is the one which is all created. He talks of Brahmadeva. Then Swaha. Swaha is capacity to burn off of the Agni. It is so surprising. And then they talk of Mahatapa. Tapaha so when they talk of Swaha, they talk of Maha. Maha is what you call the great, Allahu Akbar, and of Tapa. Tapa is the one where you have to become a Tapasvi, means a person who is going into penance, that of Christ. And they say that you have to penetrate through the Surya. That is this. The whole thing is in such an abstract way. And then you get to your moksha. So they have talked of all the chakras. But if you talk about the abstract part of it, people have no objection. They listen to it. They say it's There's no religion as such. So today especially, I'm talking about Vedas and this Havanas we do. When we do the Havan, it is a Yadnya. Yadnya means by which you know. Yadnya means to know. Yadnya. 
And this is done where you use swaha as the word. That means you use the principle of fire to burn off all that is wrong in you, swaha. And you awaken it by taking the different names of the God. And it started at the time of Rama. Today is Rama. I should say it was not started, we should say, but it was very much in vogue when Rama lived and they used to do yadnyas at that time. The reason was the people had just started realizing that there is something higher and you have to worship that higher self, the seer said. And they thought that best thing is to do yadnyas. The same thing. On the left side, of course, people started the worshipping of God and dedication to God and all those things. That is bhakti. But mainly what they did before Rama was the yadnyas, the Vedas, with which they prayed to different elements. Elements have made our chakras and tried to evoke the deities of the elements. But actually it, it amounts to the same. So as a child, Rama was studying with a very great saint. And when he was studying with him, Vasishta was the name of the great saint. And Vasishta had an ashram where Rama and his brothers studied. Come now, come in, come for. Give her a chair to sit down. Can you? Is there a seat here? I think, okay, uh, you can go there. Lots of seats are there. Pa was studying with this sister and they used to come for holidays to father's place. Then she had the capacity to kill a demon with only one arrow. It's called an ekaban. One arrow was sufficient of Sri Rama. And it was a small little child, say about seven, eight years of age. And people were surprised how he could do it. So whenever they had a yadnya, now these yadnyas were created to awaken, to evoke the deities inside the spinal cord, actually. And for these yadnas, they used to sit down and do all these havanas the way we do it. But at that time, the rakshasas would come and try to spoil the yadna. Because yadnas are to be done with pure heart and with cleanliness and with purity. It should not be insulted. There is a protocol <coughs> about it. While they thought that if we insult the deities there, then the deities will disappear and their yadnas will be spoiled. Now these yadnas were done 
in the olden times even even when rama was not here but at the time of rama also there were some rakshasas who took a special pleasure in spoiling these yajnas and rama as a child would go and protect them from the demons and the demons would take some sort of a funny form and come like invisible creatures and put some bones of animals and things like that in the yajna and that would spoil the effects of the yajna and rama would protect that as a child imagine as a child he used to do that they would be doing the yajna and he would be sitting outside with all his small brothers around him and they would kill the demons who would try to destroy the yajna this is the early life of rama in which you see in which you see how as a child also he showed uh, amount of expertise in arrow and bow so any time you see a statue how to make out a sri rama statue is to see if there's an arrow and a bow then it's a rama statue now he is coming on the earth gave us the development of the right side and so the yajnas <coughs> were also on the right side because first of all when human beings came on the earth they were frightened of all the animals who would invade them and all kinds of horrible rakshasas and all those people and negative forces they would trouble them so in that state they needed create a king a ruler who was an ideal king and he would rule according to the laws of dharma so he was the one in charge of that era what we call as satyuga you can say but actually he was here in treta yuga that's the time when he was here was treta yuga and krishna came at the time of dwapar yuga and today is the time when i came it was kali yuga but now today the time is of krita yuga the yuga where work will be done krita means work will be done this is the time where work will be done so how things have moved from one to another now in the dwapar yuga when sri rama came the idea of kingship kingship and rulership start so the greatest emphasis was on the goodwill of the people the people had to have goodwill for the people and for the king and for the betterment of humanity the will that is the right side so how to create the good will 
first the leader has to sacrifice and show how far he can go in sacrificing to keep the morale and the goodwill of the people. So the right side was created by the advent of Sri Rama because he showed a path of creating among people the awareness that they should be ruled, that they should not be anarchist, there should be one head who should be able to organize, coordinate and work out a collective thing. You see, when we think of a king, we want to oust him because we don't like the idea of being ruled by someone. Because he's not a good king, perhaps, or he doesn't represent that will of the people, which is a common will which creates this king who rules for the maintenance of that good. See, it is a symbolic expression of your good. So when you create a law, it is also the expression, common expression of all the common people, of the common feeling that they should abide with law. It doesn't come to you that uh, you are a slave or you have to be dominated or you have to be put down. But it is only your common will which is good, the desire of all the people, which is the good, righteousness, incarnates as Sri And he looks after that will, because supposing an individual may start saying that this is not good, this is not good. An individual might take a different attitude about him. But you must have some symbol of that goodness placed onto someone. And those symbols were created to symbolize your righteousness, your sense of good, so that you can be saved yourself. Supposing today somebody comes and hits you, all right? Now you can feel how bad it is to be hit by someone or murdered by someone or this. So you decide there should be a law protecting you. But tomorrow you may do the same thing. So what you do is to take out your good will, represent it as the kingdom or a king or a governing body. So the government as it is, represents, should represent also, in both ways. It's not that it always represents, it may not at all represent, may not, possibly, but that the government itself should represent the good in you, the purity in you, the pure will <coughs> to be good, to be protected, and that you should also abide by. <coughs> it's a very mutual thing. But what happens? that once you start electing someone like that or making someone like that or appointing someone like that, as usual, he goes into a ego trip, simple thing like that, it's absolutely simple ego trip. They, the government gets into an ego trip, 
people get, you see, amazed how people behave. They elect, supposing a prime minister, and suddenly you find the prime minister behaves like a brute. You can't understand. We have elected somebody like a prime minister, thinking that is going to be to us. You see, it's possible. And then the revolutions take place while people revolt, fight it out. Again, the will of the people fights it and makes it out. So come now, come, come here forward. You can come forward. So, so we have to have something absolute. You see, because all these values are changing every moment, isn't it? We think that this government is not good. So, for example, we think like that. So we want to demolish this government. Then we bring another one. We find the same thing happening. See, whether you bring a communist or you bring a uh, socialist or you bring a democrat or you, you, you have a monarch, whatever you may have. But still, what happens actually is that all these, all these things that come up and go away, I mean, come here. Let me move forward a little so everybody can listen. All these changes that take place goes on creating a feeling in a man that he should be an artist. Why should we have any government? Why should we have any king? Why should we rule by anyone? Because you find the person who is ruling is not up to the mark and he is just trying to deceive you. At that point you have to have some absolute standards. If you have an absolute standard then you can always judge that this king is deviating from the right path, he is not doing what a king should do. A king has to be like Rama. He has to be like Rama, representing your will, your good will, your sense of proper judgment, fair play and righteousness. If the king is not righteous, then your collective good will will go against the king. Now you go on throwing one from another. Say, I have seen now, for example, see in France, we had one kind of a uh, Prime Minister. He did lots of things which were not good, so he was thrown away. So you had another kind of one, now he is doing another thing, so he is going to be thrown away. And we are just going, playing games. You see, first of all we have, say, Labour government, we don't like it. So we have another government, Conservative government, we don't like it, throw away. <laughs> Go on playing with it all the time. But in this relativity, you see, we are improved. Definitely, we are more aware, understanding, and uh, the value of these people and also the public is understanding. But then when, you see, too many such people come in who are negative, they also bring down the will, the collective will, very low. And people start identifying themselves with these uh, autocrats or you can say those people who oriented who have no moral values, who have no fear of God, who deny religion, 
who deny uh, evolution, and the government starts behaving in such a manner that you are amazed. How is this the government? Like, let's say, in Chile, in Argentina, the way government is behaving and uh, is putting down the people, all these things are happening. You see, you don't know, it's such a relative terminology. Like uh, El Salvador, you don't know what to do with that now, whom to support, whether to support the Americans or to support the Russians and all that. Now, under these circumstances, <coughs> a surgery can stand and say, now what, should we join this or that? All is a wasteful thing. It's just a game going on, let them break their heads. They are good for nothing, useless people. So you cannot solve these problems and you are not supposed to solve them. They must get their realization and establish the kingdom of God. So really Rama rules on this earth and not these horrible kings who change their morality every day, who change their ideas every day, those who, who, are, who are built is sometimes from something materialistic. Uh, like uh, I would say now in our country, we thought that we'll have Mrs. Thatcher, good, very good. She's coming up very well, I should say, certain good things she's saying, uh, like self-restraint and all that, those things she's talking good things. But what about herself following this? Sri Rama not only propounded what was good, but he followed that, he sacrificed for that, and he established his own symbol as a pure symbol of that righteous will that is within the people, which is the collective righteous will. Now, for example, you can see clearly how the ego-oriented things work out, you see, first of all, by misidentifications we can have. Now, if you are a communist, you have to be out-and-out out communist. You cannot have compromise between democratic methods and communism. They can't find any meeting there. They think if you have to be this, you have to be absolutely this. If you have to be that, you have to be absolutely that. But in Sahaja Yoga, what you find is both are integrated. Because you have the complete capital with you and you have to distribute it. This is a complete integration here. All these isms and all that are experiments of the artificial, of the mind, just a projection of the mind, which is whatever man made is artificial, you know that. But what is God made is all integrated, that whatever you have within yourself, you must give it to others. Now see for administration also, what happens after surgery? Say, I am, say, your mother here sitting down. You like me to guide you. You like me to govern you. You like me to correct you. You like me to scold you and to even go to a great extent to see that your life improves. Supposing I say, all right, I give up, I don't want to trouble you. You will not like it. None of you will like such a situation. Where I say, all right, you are a gone case, I have nothing to do, you get up. Nobody will like such a situation. You want me to govern you, you want me to look after you, you like that. Automatically you have started liking it. There is no domination, but you want my domination. You want me to dominate want that all my desires should be dominated, automatically. Why you feel that <coughs> it is all right, it is very good if mother takes interest in me, corrects me, it's a privilege, 
Why do you think like that? Because by that there is a general good created. The general good created. Because you have become integrated. Your body, your mind, and your soul, all of them think the same way. They all want the same. There is no difference. Once there is integration, you will find Sahaja Yoga is the easiest way to live in. But if there is not, then it is true. For you are a lazy person, say example, for example. Or you are a very hot tempered person. Or you are a sort of a dual person. Or you are playing tricks with yourself. You are playing games. Then you won't like Sajo. In as long as these situations are in you, you will not like Sajo. But once this situation is overcome, then you will like it. Because then you will know that whatever is good for your spirit is for the well-being of you all and of all the people. Once this well-being comes in, everyone feels absolutely nourished and fresh. So, the governing part is enjoyable. The correction part is even more enjoyable and that you are in the attention of your mother is such a great feeling within yourself that yes, no, nothing will go wrong with me, she will look after me. She is there to look after me. But this integration part comes very late because of ego problems. You have built up egos because of wrong type of people administering. From your childhood you might have had bad parents who never talked of God, of good things, of life. They themselves did not lead a life of sacrifice. Very self-indulgent parents can create a problem like that. They never gave you the right type of life, a proper value system which should have been there. They never educated how to enjoy righteousness, virtues in life. Possibly later on the country in which you are born, the other people who surround you also might have done that. Also your government, whichever you have known, must have done that. So when these things change, when you find that you have achieved that kind of integration within you, that whatever your body likes is the good for your spirit also. Like say for example, I, I don't like certain things myself, I don't like drinks, uh, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Nobody can tempt me. I mean, no question of temptation, I do, just don't like it. I will hate the things which are really bad for my spirit. Automatically, I don't have to tell myself, it's just that. To tell lies, I don't like. Alright, because it harms me there. I don't like. Whatever is good for your spirit will automatically work out as soon as this integration takes place. And this is the work of Sahaja Yoga today. That's why I said it is Kruta Yoga is to be done. And this integration must be achieved within ourselves. So sometimes you have to make your body to come to this level. Maybe you are under the influence of some boots, your body doesn't help. A little bit of tapasvita 
or penance is needed after surgery to make this possible. And then once you start enjoying it, then you like it. Like driving a car, in the beginning is difficult, or swimming, anything. When you try to do it, it's rather difficult in the beginning. If I say, you forget it now, whatever you have done in the past, you forget it now, get to the new things, you have to do it. So you have to put your mind to it with all your full zest that, all right, if my body is not helping me, all right, I'll try to improve my body because I'm not the body. If my mind is not helping me, I must improve my mind. If my, uh, what you call, intellect is standing in the way, I'll have to put my intellect right because, after all, I have to be integrated. If I'm not integrated, I'm not going to enjoy anything, nor am I going to do anything good to myself or to others. So why am I here? Why am I trying to destroy myself? But when you are dis, uh, disintegrated, you will be surprised your one action will destroy you, your second action, and second action will destroy third action when you are disintegrated. I'll give you an example. Supposing <coughs> now I'm sitting here and somebody tells me that this will burn. This is my own mind. But the body wants to burn itself. It says, no, all right, don't listen to this, just burn itself. Now when I say this, it sounds upset. But say, the mind says, you should not take to alcohol. But still you will go to the pub. Then you are disintegrated. Gradually, once you start listening to your body too much, your mind gives up. It just gives up. In everything that you do, if you are integrated, you will be amazed that you will really become dynamic. Integration is nothing but your complete connection with your spirit. The spirit starts growing into it. In every walk of life, you will be amazed how dynamic you will become if you are integrated. Just the connection is to be absolutely achieved with your spirit. Whenever you think of something, is it good for my spirit? Some people have a habit of thinking that spiritual life is such that you hang by the shoestring somewhere in the air and there is no connection to the day-to-day -day life. So many people think like that. They see, such a man should be a thin, miserable creature hanging onto some tree or something <laughs> and should be absolutely uh, in a paranoid state or something that who is frightened of the whole world, who cannot talk to anyone, who is so, so much exclusive that he becomes a recluse. These absurd ideas should be given up by surgeons. You have to be very much there, absolutely there between all of them, but something you should be rare, a different type, a unique personality. You have to be there with all these things that are going on. Now, people are frightened, you know. Even of Sahaja Yogis, they are frightened of Sahaja Yogis. Uh, they see somebody negative, oh, this thing, that thing. Take a fight with that person. Take a fight. How could you dare do this, such a thing? You are a surgeon, you come up. What do you mean by this? You have to find it. As long as possible, you should try to salvage a person, talk to him in that manner. 
<coughs> the other side of it is that when you tell when they come to you, then there has to be a kind of a tremendous sincerity. If you are doing with that sincerity, people will know you are doing with sincerity. When you talk to a person, they should know that sincerity, your heart is there. For example, you may talk to that person very sweetly, but your heart may not be there and the person might think, oh, he is just seeking elections. Mm-hmm. All right? But if you talk to someone with a sincerity, you say, how could you do such a thing? Can't you see yourself? Can't you work it out? That's what it is, you are here for that. Now in saying so, your sincerity, which is coming from your heart, is to be seen and that's what is Sri Rama's character is. That he was on the right side of the heart, means the heart put to activity. Do you understand that where uh, Kabira has said, he, uh, <coughs> Mana mamatako thirakaralao. I will make my compassion of my heart, mana from my heart, the compassion, make it steady. Or paachahi tattva milao and put them into five elements. See, in the same way, when you are in the left heart, that's your sensitivity, it's your heartfelt thing. But the heartfelt thing, what's the use? You see, there are many Sahajogis who, who really feel this world is horrible and something must be done, Sahajogis must be brought in. But how many of you are really putting that to action? Absolutely into action. Without that, your Ramastatva cannot be improved. Ramastatva is only improved when you put all the things into action that exactly Sri Rama did. So in the ascent of man, when he came up to Rama's place, the advent of Rama was not in the center but on the right hand side, he moved aside. So much so that he forgot about his past. He's never mentioned that he is an incarnation. He never told his father, he never told his mother, he never told anybody that he was an incarnation. Of course it was evident that he was. His brother knew about it. Now he had two brothers, very interesting. I mean, he had other brothers also, but Bharat and another was Lakshmana. These were two brothers were with him. Now they show the two sides of a human being. One was Lakshmana, and he was that fiery type, you see. He couldn't bear anybody misbehaving towards Rama. He couldn't bear anybody talking in a very mundane time to Sri Rama. And he used to get so angry with all these people that he would just come out like a big thunderbolt on anybody who tried to say anything about Sri Rama. Even Parshurama, who was there, a contemporary incarnation of Sri Rama himself was Parshurama. It's a very interesting story about that. But he could not bear Parshurama in any way. He is the Shesha, as they call it, the, the serpent which sleeps 
in the Bhavasangara, on which Sri Vishnu rests. The same Shesha had taken birth as Sri Now for a Western mind, you see to them snakes are sort of, if you talk about snakes, for them only they know the Adam and Eve snake, that's all, they don't understand anything. And uh, they can't understand why people worship snakes. You see, snakes are like cobra, cobra and all that, they are like the kings, you see, they are the kings of the underground. And Shesha is the one who supports the whole universe. So this Shesha is worshipped, as the Cobras are worshipped in many villages in India, even today. You see, because they don't trouble anyone. Because they are like deities are worshipped in India. And they don't, don't uh, sometimes they do, but mostly they do not bite a good religious man. There's a story of uh, Sainath, where a, a, a snake charmer was given lot of money just to kill Sri Sainath. And he, because Sainath used to in the night suddenly go up to his uh, uh, own swing he had made about uh, thirty feet above the ground, God knows. Nobody knew how he used to go there, but they would find him sleeping up there. <laughs> so the snake uh, was taken by this this snake charmer and he put the snake on to Sainath. And the snake went there and Sainath talked to him and he said, Oh God, you've come here to meet me after such a long time. And what is your job? He said, This horrible snake charmer has asked me to bite you. So I've come to tell you, be careful about these people. This snake charmer was looking with amazement that she was talking to him. He said, all right, you go now. He talked to him. These are age-old snakes, you see. So the snake went and bit the <laughs> But just then, then he came down, you see, from his thing, and he sucked his poison and threw it. Because after all, you see, he said, the snake is angry with you because he tried such a trick. So he sucked. That's compassion. That's compassion. And he sucked his uh, venom out, and the fellow was completely changed and he said, now I'm going to uh, announce it to all the people what these peop uh, these Brahmins tried to kill, that they wanted to kill Sri uh, Sainath. And for why? Why were they so frightened of this man? He used to live outside, this, outside the village and uh, they were so frightened of him because they were doing all wrong things in the name of God, so they were all frightened that uh, they'll be exposed. So this is what it is that he sleeps on the Shesha. And Shesha is the one who is sometimes expressed in Sahaja Yogis, I've seen as anger, when you try to be non-protocolish or when you try to be funny or uh, you don't behave yourself. That's the Shesha in that. That is also sometimes needed. You have to be a Shesha sometimes because otherwise people will start misbehaving and by that they will be harmed. Not that I will be harmed, but they will be harmed. So that kind of temperament is also needed. But the other one is very interesting is that of Bharata, the brother. He showed how Sri Rama bestowed the kingdom to him because of his mother's uh, agitation. And 
he didn't know what to do. So because she, he went back to Rama and he said, I have to take back your kingdom, I don't want anything. You are the one who should govern, why should I have it? So Rama said, all right, you, you just be there in charge of the kingdom. I have to obey my father, I have to obey my mother because I have given them a promise. So Sri Rama as another great quality was once given a promise, is to be kept. This is another quality you have to have, that if you have promised anything, you have to keep it up. If you have said, I will do this, you must do it. You should not find out excuses to avoid it. It's absolutely an anti-God activity to avoid doing things that you have promised. Your deities will never be happy. You must see that whatever you have promised, you must do. Now when Bharata was sent back by him, he said, all right, give me your uh, sandals, which I'll take there and I'll use them as if that's a symbol of you being there. And he put those sandals on the throne and he ruled that kingdom and looked after Bharata. Though he was, uh, when he was going to see Rama, then Lakshmana saw him coming and he said, look at this, He's coming here to invade you now. He has thrown you out of the kingdom and now he's coming to invade you. So this is also I've seen among Sahaja Yogis is there. That the Sahaja Yogis who are like Shesha cannot see also the goodness of other Sahaja Yogis who are very good people, extremely sacrificing, nice people, but their intentions are not understood or misunderstood, which is a very sad thing. You must see the intentions of another type of people also, who may not be so hot-tempered, may not be so much angry, but their intentions are very good. They have come actually to ask for the sandals of Sri Ram. So among these two type of people I have seen, there is always a bit misunderstanding going on. So both the types of people should try to understand that we both are needed for Sahaja I cannot only do with one type of people. We have to have both type of people who look after both the styles of the thing. But when you are dealing with others, one should go as one. For example, if a person is, say, coming to Paxton Hall and he says something, then you should weigh it whether he is a new one or an old one. If he is a new one, then you must show all gentleness, kindness, all kinds of exterior things which will please The reason is he is not a realized soul. He doesn't see your subtle thing. What he sees is what you are outside, how you are dressed, how you talk to them, how you behave towards them. All these things they see first. They don't see what you have got inside, they can't see your heart, they can't feel your vibration. So you have to be very kind to them, you have to be very sweet to them. I received a letter from someone saying that the Sahaja Yogis have been very, very rude to me and have been angry. Like the other day, somebody came who was sitting at the back. They are trying to salvage, uh, salvage the, what you call, the people who are lost by the cults or whatever it is. He was sitting at the back and some men I said, come forward. And he didn't come, so you said, you get out. You should not say, let me say. 
That time you should keep quiet. Nobody should say, get out, if you are not going. Because, you see, the thing is, if you say, we don't care for people who are not humble, then they are going to be lost in any case. Let us give them a fair chance. Let us give them a fair chance to come into Sahaja Yoga, first by your behaviour. Now some people have a habit of sort of talking to them a bit too much. They should not talk. That's one thing I feel, that while giving vibrations and all that, at the most you should ask, are you feeling any cool breeze? <laughs> I feel that while giving vibrations and all that, at the most you should ask, are you feeling any cool breeze? With very humble way. And this is another quality of Sri Rama, is a sankoch. There's no word in English language because you have formality, which is a very insipid word to describe sankoch. Because there is no integration between your heart and formality. But if you can think of a formality of the heart, then what do you call that? What will you call in English language? The formality of the heart. Sincerity. Huh? Sincerity. No, sincerity is different. It's an action. Sincerity is an abstract thing. <coughs> but formality from the heart. You see, how to say such a thing? Honestly. 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 No, no, not honesty. These are all abstract words. In action. You see, say so for example, now I'm sitting, now you may bring me a cup, all right? 
That's a broken cup, for example. You go to somebody's house, it's a little broken. So, if an Indian is there, I don't know about Western stuff, he'll eat, he'll drink it up. He will not say anything, he's broken already. But maybe somebody might say, it's a broken cup, it's broken. Or say, you go to somebody's house, you see, and you don't like a color scheme or something. So, for an Indian person, it would be not proper to immediately <laughs> say like that. <laughs> for an Indian, the formality of the heart, you see, to not to say something in such a way that you touch the wrong side of the person is sankocha. Now, to such an extent, Sri Rama that there's a good story, I think I said it before also, but again I'll repeat it too, which is described in uh, the another Ramayana written by Tulsidasa, though Tulsidasa was not realized soon, but some points is brought out very well. He says that Sri Rama was putting the arrows into the uh, against the heads of Ramana, and he had ten heads. And he had a boon that every head that falls off, another head will come off. He had a boon like that. So his brother says, what are you doing? You know that he cannot die by killing him, uh, by, by putting the arrows across his head. You have to put it in his heart, otherwise he will not die. So the Sankocha comes in him and he said, see, in his heart he has got my wife because he loves her and he, she's sitting in his heart. How can I hit him in the heart? She'll be hurt. See the delicacy of his understanding. So he said that by hitting his head, is he going to be killed? He said, you see, attention, once it is going towards his head, his attention will be withdrawn from his heart. <laughs> and once the attention is withdrawn, my wife will not be there anymore, then I'll hit him and I'll kill him. <laughs> So see this sankoch, you see, then you will understand that how we are rude and arrogant. You see, this kind of arrogance and rudeness comes to us because we have no sankoch. We should not say everything to everyone, we need not. Should we say everything? Say, for example, in your puja, maybe you are doing something which should not be done. I know it's wrong. Unless until absolutely wrong, I will not tell. I said gradually tell that. Because otherwise you become like this. She tells her. You must see Linda's face if I tell her anything. She goes into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see, that samkocha, that understanding comes if you love someone and understand. Now you have to love all the seekers of the world. They have done wrong, they have done all kinds of ego trips, they have done all kinds of mistakes but your mother loves them and you have to love them. If you, I, I, they are to be corrected, I'll do that. You just don't do that way that they feel hurt. Put a sankocha. While talking to each other, educate yourself, train yourself to say things which are sweet and nice, which will make another person feel that this person is a properly brought up person 
in Sahaja Yoga tradition. So we have a Sahaja Yoga tradition also, in which when we speak to each other, we have that sankocha within us of Sri Rama. And if you do not have that sankocha, you get the right heart, and that right heart is a very dangerous thing in a country like England where the climate is so bad, because it gives you a horrible thing called asthma. I'm not frightening you, but it's true. You get asthma if your right heart is gone. Not necessarily that asthma all comes from only right heart, it can also come from center heart, but you get right heart, you definitely get asthma. So the attitude, you see, like your father, I've heard people talking to father also in such a funny way. You can't talk to your father like that. They talk to me also very rudely. I mean, I've seen people, Sahaja shockingly sometimes, on a very mundane level or you can say on a very unprotocolish way, you get you to write out. So this sankoch one has to learn, the maryada means the boundaries of your relationships. You see, we love each other doesn't mean that we, we, we go on uh, aggressing others' privacies. To what extent you, you love each other doesn't mean that you go in such a way that you try to transgress all the, all the beauties and all the privacies of another person. See, somebody walks into the bedroom, that is not the way to serve your I may not tell, but you must knock if you have to. And knock at a time when you need it, all the time to knock or to hang on to someone all the time is not Sankocha is a complete cultural stuff. So we have a cultural tradition which we have to learn from Sri is known for his sankocha every time how to say this. I cannot say this. We have this very much ingrained within us. The children are to be educated in that way, and once they are educated that way, they will learn the sankocha. And that will give them a proper understanding of social life. Like you now see, this light is here, if you put your finger to it, it might burn and you may remove your finger. But if you are with another person, and if you try to take liberties with that person, a day may come when that person will misbehave or will harm you or do something to you. But still you will not realize, it is because you have no sankoch it has happened. So this sankoch has to be worked out very beautifully in every way, in thanksgiving, in accepting somebody's gratitude, in expressing your love to another person in a way that is a sankocha. Now, Sri Rama is known for his boundaries. He doesn't cross the limit. Yesterday, the other day I told you about, uh, about food, that you don't cross the boundaries of food, like being compassionate to the, to the bugs and to the mosquitoes, you see. In the same way, in everything, discretion of the heart should be there. Now, there is no word for discretion of the heart in English language, which is mariyada. Discretion of the heart. Is to understand, say example, if you are rude to your father, what do you gain? You gain nothing. 
by but if you are humble you might gain over with your father all right all right even if he is a bad man because what happens in reaction if you say psychologically supposing you are a son of a father who is doing something wrong and you are obedient to him he will always have a fear that he will lose you if you fall in your ideas so by that humility you will raise if you are humble if your behavior towards your parents is like shri ramas there's nothing to lose you don't compromise in your any uh, principles or anything in day to day things like that your father is sitting i mean in india if the father is there you won't sit down before you won't sit at any cost till he tells you 10 times you won't sit before it helps you know then it reacts on the father that supposing if i misbehave my child will not So the sense of respect also comes from your heart. That's only possible if you know that maryada from your heart. How far? To go. What is the need to be rude to your father? No need at all. At any cost. What is the need? Or to your husband? Or to your wife? Why say anything harsh to anyone? What is the need? What are you going to gain out of it? By saying anything harsh, I have not seen people have been rude. only when a guru is harsh or i mean the mother or father are harsh to the children it helps nowhere else it helps in common relationships like uh, brother sisters it does not and higher and lower the lower person have to bear the harshness of elders if they want to there's nothing after all they are not going to throttle you supposing even if he says something bad it doesn't matter all right you try to and there what one has to remember what Christ has said that you must put another cheek so use the heart's discretion how far to go to a person in the effect of it you will be a very very powerful person in your family in sahaj yoga anyway those people who are obedient to me are very powerful sahaj yogis you know that and those who are not go down very fast i try to save them by every thing but i've seen those who are disobedient who don't listen to me who are rude to me who do not understand the protocol go down very much in such absolutely like that in a second i find they're going hundreds of feet down is true because what is lacking you is the discretion the maryada how far to and that's another thing we have to learn to educate ourselves so the education of shri rama as it was i told you that he could kill a demon with one arrow you don't have to beat them 108 times one beating should be sufficient but you have to be powerful people and the power of a person increases by putting maryada supposing you have beat and you just spread it it will spread all over anybody will birds will come and eat it off it will be finished but if you put them in a sack it will have a weight it will have a size it will raise in height and it is useful it will have respect but the fruit the thing that is all spread all over which has no maryada will never be respect nothing works out without maryada even the light 
keeps to a maryada you have to keep your maryadas that is the part of our training <coughs> say for example a an aeroplane is there and it is not bound by any maryadas see it is not bound when it goes in the air it will all finish all our ideas of freedom are to be bound by maryada if the freedom has no maryada it is abandonment it is nonsense it is not going to help us so we have to create out of sajogis great politicians it has been predicted that if sajoga does not spread then third world world war is inevitable people will suffer a lot in third world war it is possible to avoid it if people take to sajoga in a big number but if they do not there will be a third world and the effects of that will harm people so much that ultimately it is the sajogins who will be called for a conference and not the diplomats the sajogins will be consulted and they will decide what is to be done for the world and they will become the rulers of tomorrow's world so we must have full idea how to be rulers like shila we have to go too far with ourselves to training up ourselves educating ourselves getting rid of our egos and understanding that we have to grow it's a very big task it's a great task and sometimes you might think how can mother expect us to do it but i think you are the people who are chosen for it and you have to get to it and work it out so we have to train up ourselves to be first good rulers of ourselves and the rulers of others first we must learn to rule ourselves you see here in this body only you learn how to rule yourself comfort if you get fond of comfort make your body work it out that there is no comfort needed if your body indulges into too much eating or thing make your body learn that is not good to indulge in if you speak too much talk too much if you are rude just say that i'm not going to say a word from morning till evening take to mona so the tapa is the penance time is now ahead of us with that penance the greatest thing that is going to help you is to go and talk of sajoga give the message of my advent and also talk about how the transformation the blossom time has come this you have to do plus you have to learn how to rule yourself and then how to rule others through your heart not through your mind you have to rule through your hearts by learning all the qualities of the heart which are good i must congratulate you for the article you have written on blossom time i've gone through it i've really enjoyed it thoroughly it's done very well may god bless you and i think it will have a good i i'm surprised how they have published it have they changed in their mind or what happened It's amazing. Have you seen that article? It's great. Come along, come forward. And thank you very much for the nice uh, uh, creepers you have sent me. Worry, <laughs> they are so beautiful. You see, we are. They still are under the shock. You see, because I removed them from your gentle care to mine, and mine is a little sort of flippant one now. But today we tried to do some justice to them. I'm sure they. We gave them a bandan. <laughs> mean you want to be more intelligent? No, to get rid of the rubbish, mother. Rubbish that is in the head. 
See, the best one in Sanskrit is said is yanneti neti vachaner nigamo abuchus. This you go on telling your mind, this is not, this is not, this is not. Any thought that comes to your mind, you go on telling, this is not the thought. Not this, not this, not this. Then the inspiration starts coming. You see, what I feel, people are not inspired. They have got fear on one side. Suddenly you do something to them, they go into a fear trauma. Or else, if you try to be good to them, they go into an ego trip. So to stay in the center, what you have to do is to go on saying, not this thought and not this thought. Then you will be a deep surgeon. Best is this, because intellect is nothing, so-called intellect. Only God has intelligence, nobody has. To be very frank. <laughs> It's a big joke, isn't it? But it is <laughs> Everyone thinks they are intelligent, but they are not, they are stupid. You see, all stupidity is considered as intelligence these days. For example, cunningness, it never pays you dividends. What is intellect? Is the only understanding of intellect as, as Adi Shankaracharya put it, na yoga in a sankhya. All these things are good for nothing. Only service to your mother is the best. Ask your intellect, is it serving my mother? Intellect will tell you the so-called intellect of human beings to cheat yourself. It cheats. It gives you escapes. It cheats. All the time the intellect is working by saying, oh, this may be good, that may be good. You see, but the real good it never sees. It's a, it's a trick of the ego trick of the ego, the choices. Ego likes choices, you see. So, this is good, this is bad, this I don't like, this, this. All I business should be given up and say that not this, not this, not We should come, we, not I. Now you are not anymore I's, you are we. That's how the intellect will go away, because this intellect has gathered all kind of nonsense and it doesn't exist. That's the biggest maya. It doesn't exist. There is no intelligence at all. What is the intelligence? It's just to understand that there is nothing like his intellect. There are nothing. You see, to explain his intellect would be something like explaining human civilization to an ant. Even that is easier. It's like that, his intellect. And it's so innocent, so simple. I mean, anybody is amazed, how can that? So the most intelligent person is the one who knows that our intellect is just an ego trip. This is the sign of pure intelligence. Is the sign of pure understanding that the heart is the ruler, there resides a spirit which is the most <coughs> intelligent thing within us, and the inspiration of the spirit is the manifestation of the pure intellect of God. And what you told, what I told you today 
is the intellect of the heart. But of the brain, zero. But then what's the use of the brain? Why have brain? Why not only have heart? See, it would be all right. But the brain is the one which acts. Heart gives the inspiration, but the brain acts on it. It's communicating. But the inspiration, the source is the heart, is the spirit. Again, connect yourself to the spirit. Intelligently, how will you, how will you explain Kundalini awakening? Leave alone Kundalini. How can you explain sprouting of the seed intelligently through your intellect? Explain. <coughs> Means explain why, how. Sprouting of the seed, a simple thing which you see thousand and one times. How will you explain? Intellect is that says, I cannot explain. It is a limited thing. It's ego, nothing but important. And once you get rid of it, then the pure intellect starts coming. You see, this yoga singing, you will be amazed, you see, who is just a, I mean, he came to us as a Bhutta, absolutely. He's so much changed, now he speaks, I tell you, he speaks like a saint. I was amazed. He speaks so well sometimes that I want to quote him sometimes, the way he speaks about something. I'm amazed how he has started talking like that. So whatever you have to say, related to the Spirit, you will talk like saints, related to Spirit not to anything else, related to spirit, and you'll be amazed. He told me that there are many people in this world who are absurd. I said, how do you know? He says, because they don't want to know anything about you. I don't know why are they here and why have you created them. You see, he was a person with so many boots on his head. He is such a beautiful man, I tell you. He says, this, your servant is all right, but he has to learn certain things if he has to uh, live well. Uh, he doesn't have meekness because his mind is not neat. <coughs> he has to be a cleaner person, but his mind is not clean. His heart is all right, but the mind should be clean. I was amazed at him. He's not an educated man or anything, just an ordinary person. But they start talking like prophets. I think you better read some of the prophets, you will also start talking like that. Read Kabir, Khalil Gibran, all these people. What is play? He was a prophet too. You can talk like him. Why not? He talked to his spirit, isn't it? Pure intelligence. Then you became Sri Rama, if you can do that. 
So today is a great day. I'm happy you all could come, and uh, it has worked out so well that this is. I was going to come here and talk about Sri Ram. I wish you all that you follow him up. Respect yourself, and it's your responsibility to be good, to be like, to work it out that way. May God bless you. Who has given you that one? Mummy has given. Yeah. <coughs> All right. We wanted to do a little, small, little puja. You can wash my feet. And have you got Sri Rama's anything? From the Ramayana of Valmiki, chapter eighty-six. Then Bharata, placing his hands over his head as a mark of respect, said, "Arya, you have honored my mother by going into exile and by offering the kingdom to me. Let me return the kingdom which you have conferred on me. The burden which only a bull can bear is too much for a calf. As it is difficult to stop a torrent by a dam, so it was difficult for me to protect all the weak points in the administration of the kingdom." I could not follow in your footsteps, as an ass cannot imitate the pace of a horse, nor a crow the gait of a swan. See the humility, of Bharata. If one plants a tree in a garden, and if the tree dies in blossom before it bears fruit, all his troubles become vain. You are our Lord, and if you do not rule over us, then this simile will apply to you. Let the people witness you this day, installed on the throne, like the meridian sun. May you retire to sleep with sweet music and rise from bed with trumpet notes. Let your empire extend up to the farthest limit of the earth, where the sun and the moon shine. Rama then agreed to Bharata's proposal and sat upon an excellent seat. Then, at Satrugna's direction, expert barbers, adept in cutting hair and beard, with their pleasing touch, surrounded Rama. Bharata, Lakshmana, Sugriva, and Vibhishana first took their bath. After that, Rama got his matted locks cut, and after bathing, he put on rich apparel and excellent garlands, and thereby looked exceedingly beautiful. Satrugna. With his own hands, dressed Rama and Lakshmana. The queens of King Dasaratha adorned Sita with ornaments, and Kausalya adorned the Vanara women with great affection and care. In the meantime, charioteer Sumantra, at Sagrudna's words, brought an excellent cha- chariot. Sugriva and Hanuman, after their bath, put on excellent garments and earrings and followed Rama. Like Indra, the king of gods, wives of Sugriva and Sita set out in fine clothes to visit the city of Ayodhya. Ashoka, Vijaya, and Siddhartha, and the other ministers with priest Vasista, began to consult for enhancing the splendor of the city, since Rama had come back. They asked the servants to make all preparations for the coronation of Rama.
Having given their orders to the servants, they went to meet Rama. Then Rama set out in a chariot like Indra for an inspection of the city. Bharata held the reins of the horse and Satrugna held an umbrella over the head of Rama. Lakshmana began to fan him with a palm leaf and Vibhishana stood by his side with a moon-white chauri. The saints and the gods began to sing praises to Rama. Sugriva rode a huge, huge elephant named Satru, Satrunjaya. Satrunjaya. The Vanaras in human forms got over the elephants, having decorated their bodies with various ornaments. Rama, surrounded by his kinsmen and friends, proceeded towards Ayodhya, a city of palaces. Conch shells and trumpets were sounded at that time. The citizens saw Rama coming with his retinue to Ayodhya. They greeted him and prayed for his victory. Rama too greeted the citizens according to their ranks. They followed Rama accompanied by his brothers. Rama being surrounded by his ministers, brahmanas and subjects looked like the moon among the stars. The musicians proceeded in front of Rama with their music. As marks of auspiciousness, many proceeded with cows Sweets tinged with turmeric and a large number of maids and brahmanas headed the procession. During the journey, Rama talked about Sugriva's friendship, <coughs> Hanuman's prowess, and the valour of the other Vanaras. The citizens of Ayodhya were greatly astonished at the tales of the prowess of the Rakshasas. Rama, thus talking about those things, entered his beautiful paternal palace, inhabited by his ancestors. Then Rama gently said to Bharata, Take Sugriva and other friends to the palace to greet mothers Kausalya, Sumitra and Kaikeyi, and assign my sapphire palace to Sugriva for his stay. Thereupon Bharata entered that palace, then the servants at the orders of Satrugna entered the mansion with oil lamps and bed covers. Then Satrugna said to Sugriva, My lord, Please send an envoy for the coronation of worshipful Rama. It is now necessary to collect water from the four oceans. Then Sugriva handing over the jewel pictures to Hanuman, Jambuvan and other two heroes said, See us in the morning with water from the four seas in the pictures. The Vanaras at once set out like great birds along the sky. Hanuman, Jambuvan, Vegadarsi and Rishabha soon fetched water from the four seas. Water from five hundred rivers was collected. Five hundred rivers. Heroic Sushena brought water from the eastern sea and Rishabha from the southern sea. Gavaya brought water from the western sea, scented with red sandal and camphor. <coughs> Anila brought water from the northern sea. Then Satrugna, seeing the water thus collected, said to the ministers and priest Vasistha, Now be ready to begin the investiture ceremony. Vasistha and other brahmanas thereupon made Rama and Janaki sit upon jeweled seats. Then Vasistha, Vijaya, Javali, Kasyapa, Katyayana, Gautama and Bhavadeva bathed Rama with sweet-scented crystal water. As the Vasu was bathed Indra in the days of yore. Then the Ritvikas, Brahmanas, sixteen virgins, ministers, warriors and merchants 
anointed Rama with various liquids. The gods, stationing themselves in the sky, began to participate in the investiture ceremony. Vasistha made Rama sit upon a golden throne wrought with jewels in the midst of the assembly. And then he put on Rama's head a glittering crown with which Manu and after him other kings were crowned in successive generations. The Ritvikas adorned Rama's body with various ornaments. Satrugna held a white umbrella over Rama's head. And Sugriva and Vibhishana stood on his two sides with two white chauris. The wind god at the direction of Indra presented Rama a wreath of a hundred golden lotuses and a necklace of variegated gems. The gods and the Gandharvas began to sing while the Kinaras commenced their dance in joy. The earth grew rich with crops and the trees became laden with fruits. Rama gave to the Brahmanas millions of cows and rich apparel and precious ornaments in profusion. Then Rama offered Sugriva a jeweled necklace bright as the rays of the sun, two armor plates white as the moon and wrought with lapis lazuli to Angada, and to Janaki a pearl necklace, fine clothes and excellent ornaments. Janaki took out that jeweled necklace and was desirous of offering it to Hanuman, thinking of his past services. At that, Rama, divining her intention, said, Janaki, give this to whom you like. Then Janaki offered that necklace to Hanuman, in whom spirit, patience, fame, sincerity, prowess, modesty, morality, valor, might, intelligence, and other noble virtues existed. I'll then read all this. Then Janaki... No, I'll then read this list. Uh-huh. To Hanuman, in whom spirit, patience, fame, sincerity, prowess, modesty, morality, valor, might, intelligence, and other noble virtues existed. Sri Hanuman, with that necklace, shone like a hill surrounded by white fleecy clouds. (laughs) Then other Vanaras received presents according to their respective ranks. Rama gratified Sugriva, Vibhishana, Hanuman, Jambuvan, and other chiefs with sufficient wealth and victuals. Then he gave fine jewels to Dvivida, Mainda, and Nila. Then all departed to their respective places, taking leave of Rama. Sugriva went to Kishkindya and Vibhishana with his four counsellors to Lanka. Then liberal hearted Rama said to Lakshmana, My boy. Liberal hearted. Liberal hearted, you see? See now. Not liberal party. Share with me this kingdom with fourfold armies that has been ruled by our ancestors. And as they acted formally as heirs apparent to the throne, so do thou take the responsibility of the administration. But Lakshmana did not agree to all these persuasions and entreaties of Rama. Then Rama appointed Bharata as heir apparent to the throne. Afterwards Rama performed...